Welcome to Batchadamia, a podcast so educational it could be a university class. With your hosts, Danielle Dick McHugh, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henniger. Welcome to Batchadamia. We are so excited. It is August. Um, Bill looks like he's gotten some sun. Have you gotten some sun, Bill? You know, I have, but also I, there's like some filter you can put on here and it said like touch up my look and I turned it all the way up and it's like, it really should have read like make me blotchy and red like a drunk. <laughs> I don't think that you look blotchy and red. I just think you look like suntan to go with your Hawaiian shirt. For those okay. of you that are just listening, he's rocking some summertime gear here. Yeah. Elaine dresses me like a Ken doll and she bought me this awesome Hawaiian shirt. So Yeah. August is a time of mourning yes. for all and um, education, but at Bachadamia, we're still in good spirits. We tried. Yeah. We tried. So before we jump into this week's episode, I got a question for you, Bill. Okay. If you were a food, what Ooh. kind of food would you be? That's a really good question. Um, cause it's not your favorite food. No. So it's like a food that describes your personality. Absolutely. Or, or like your overall look. Cause like overall I mean, look, I would say like mashed potatoes. I feel like I'm just mashed potatoey. Oh, whatever. But I feel like personality wise, I got a little more pep than that. Um, mm. I'm going to say spring roll. Oh, a spring roll. We made spring rolls last I week. I love them. So they, they double as that, but also it's like, I just, I got a lot going on, you know, I feel like I'm fun. I'm not too much, but I, I could be a dinner if you needed me to. Are you like, you know, like spring rolls are kind of translucent, you know, like, yeah, I don't think people emotions on your sleeve. Yeah. I don't think people feel like they have to guess much about me. I think they, it's like, I, I, you kind of, what you get is what you get. Transparent. Bill. You can put meat in them. They can be vegetarian. I just, I can do a lot. I got range. I got range, Danielle. <laughs> range. So I think I'm kombucha. Oh, because really? It's unique. Uh-huh. It's got you a good fizz yeah. to it. I'm a little fizzy. Uh-huh. You know? Um, you know, I'm a little loud. Some people maybe don't like that. I think but everyone loves it. If you... If you acquire the taste, I sit well in your belly afterwards. You <laughs> I can talk really about help. Poop, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's, it makes you poop. I talk about poop. Like, there's like. <laughs> Here's my concern with that. I didn't realize drinks were involved. You said a food. Oh, I just food. don't know. Sorry. Food. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But I really food. like, like, that was a very good metaphor. <laughs> you really, you thought that one out. Except for I answered the wrong question. That's all right. That's a very academic move. That is very <laughs> Let me tell you the question you need to ask. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is Badgedamia. We we keep yes. the tropes alive. For anyone listening who hasn't been in a meeting with academics, there is never a question that goes answered. But there are a lot of questions that weren't asked that get answered in long soliloquies. <laughs> so good. All right. So we'll jump into this week's episode. Um I'm going to start calling this the not-so-two-minute recap. The not-so-two-minute recap. Well, okay, so really quickly, how would you just rate this episode in terms of excitement? I enjoyed it. You seem to not enjoy it, but 
I think we've all come to the conclusion that I have a dark, cold heart and I love watching like train wrecks. Well, so I liked the week before a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So episode three of the season, I was like super into it. So I don't know if some of it is I watched at home by myself this week Mm -hmm. instead of with the pod. So maybe that's some of it. Um, But I thought it was kind of boring in comparison, but. It wasn't well paced is the way I would say. Like, I think the really good episodes, you've got good pacing throughout where this one was very like nothing happening. Everything's happening. So I would agree. I would agree. So it begins by foreshadowing troubles with Hayden. Um, Hayden claims that Gabby called herself rough around the edges first. And so it was fair game for him to say the same. This man is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, I'm sure you agree. Agree. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good. We're on the same page. So they find out that they're going to Paris. And um, I guess that they're staying on a cruise ship too once they arrive. Okay, so I was really confused at first. I was like, are they making them ride a boat to Europe? <laughs> I was like, like Transatlantic. Holy, <laughs> holy crap, what has happened to their budget? Like, <laughs> and then I like, I, I, it all made more sense to me later. Um, so there but, are a few things that I have a hard stop on. I will not go on a cruise. They, why not? they scare the bejeebers out of me. Couple reasons. Watch a lot of Dateline. People always getting killed. They are always getting killed. Every other Dateline is somebody getting shoved off. Two, I can swim for like forever, but I'm not even dumb enough to tell myself that I could like, if the boat went down Titanic style, I could swim. And it's it's not the dying, it's the like having to tread water until I die. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I I have no interest. So I have not been on a cruise since I was like a kid. We went on like a Disney cruise when oh, God, I was- that's even worse. Before you <laughs> die, you skits everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I I haven't been on one since then, but like, I feel like one, I kind of want to go on an Alaska cruise. Like mm-hmm. that's a bucket list for me. And then I would kind of like to go on a Disney cruise with my kids at some point. But as an adult, I'm really worried about seasickness. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I want to be like drugged up on drama. I mean, like the entire time and two, it's close quarters. And I don't know. I don't know how much I enjoy that. I would do the Viking river ones where they like take you down the river and you're like constantly getting off to portage. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I remember. Apparently there's one on the Mississippi now. Oh yeah. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it's like, next we're going to get off at Keokuk. <laughs> I have, I have a really good story about that sometime, but okay. I, I know I need this two minute recap. I got to get to okay, it. Go, go, go. <laughs> So um, there's a cruise. We aren't fans of cruises is exact. I think what we have agreed upon. So once they arrive, they immediately sort of get one one-on-ones. And we learn that um, Gabby's going to go on a one-on-one with Jason and Rachel is going to go on a one-on-one with Tino. Um, Jason was a little bit of a surprise. Tino, not so much. So then they go on their one-on-ones and they make crepes and they try on berets and Americans again are assholes at the way that we stereotype other countries. <laughs> There's like two things that we know about this country and we yep. will create 
ridiculous dates around them. Um, the dates seem to be going along well enough. Um, then they bring Rachel and Gabby kind of together in the middle of them so that they can swoon. And then they move on to the serious evening portion of the dates. Um, Tino and Rachel have a really serious conversation about their career and family goals. Tino seems kind of relieved that Gabby does want kids. Um, or sorry, Rachel does want kids. <laughs> Rachel tells some like horrifying stories about men being real jerks about her career as a pilot. Yes. So I guess if you're a pilot, you are incapable of fidelity and um, yeah. raising a family in a healthy way. So, um, but it seems like they're on the same page. I think that Rachel is ready to marry Tino. Um, I think they're both boring. So go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Gabby and Jason. Boring life with your boring kids and your boring house. <laughs> I'll call them. You know who doesn't DJ talk and Nicole. About, you know who doesn't talk about poop? Tino and Rachel. That's true. They don't talk. I bet Rachel's too classy. You know who's not kombucha? Tino and Nicole. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. It's so good. Um, so Gabby and Jason um seem to connect over they have kind of difficult childhoods and they both have an appreciation for therapy i was reading some i like to read the different recaps that people put out yes um and one was like this is the um like hot for therapy trope <laughs> which i thought was like really funny um uh, one another one kind of said that uh gabby's horny for therapy <laughs> and so all of these things kind of made me laugh um, so both men get roses on the one-on-ones and then they move on to a group date, which is technically, I think for Gabby, but they make it all about Rachel and we get one of our bachelor favorite tropes, which is a date where they physically fight for love. Um, more about that later on. Gabby um, gives Spencer the rose. I thought that was all boring. Um, yeah. Rachel feels ignored by her guys and really comes unraveled. Meanwhile, Logan is losing it because he realizes that he's really there for Gabby. And I, well, I talk about that. I feel, I don't really like Logan, but I also like kind of feel for the situation that he's gotten himself into. Um, so um, I do feel like he's going to be our next villain. Um, so Rachel then tells the guys they need to step it up. It's super awkward. So what did the producers do? Set up the next day's group date where they smell. She smells the guy's armpit. I will say the episode got a lot more exciting here. <laughs> what is going on? It started out with two French people like making out. And then and then if we're talking about stereotypes and tropes, let's just bring up that French people are not known for having like like they're known for some body odor, right? Like they, there's a stereotype they, out there that their pheromones natural. <laughs> bathing is not held in the same the, the same bathing cycle as Americans. I feel like that's a fair way to put it, right? 
And then they're giving advice on smells, I guess. And I was like, I just don't know if I would be taking that advice. A lot of stuff I'd take advice from French people on. Not I, that one. Okay, like one, if I was going to go into this date, I would want a heads up that somebody's nose is going to be in my pit. Right. I think it is like unfair to like sneak a nose in there without yes. a, like warning. Like, and Bill, you know, maybe I'm jumping out of order here, but there's got to be some research though on like smell and attraction. Yes. Yeah, there is. Yeah. So uh, more attractive people tend to smell better, like controlled for other variables. So like when you do by like the classical symmetry and stuff like that, but then there's probably also local preferences, right? So like, like, or like cultural preferences for what's an acceptable smell. So, but yeah, more attractive people smell better. So they all probably, all those guys smell pretty good. They had, they did this before with a bachelor. And I remember he described one of the women's uh, clothes as smelling a bit sour. And I was like, Oh, that feels, I yeah. And I feel like it's even worse if you do that. you be like so bummed you're like, "Oh man, I got some water in my like yeah. My, uh suitcase on the cruise ship and so now I smell like mildew and there's yeah. smell in my armpit." I don't know. Well, was- you know, like with smelling the clothes, like when you have, you know, you'll have something that like sits in the laundry a little too long. Yeah. And it gets that kind of like weird wet smelling. Like how bad would you feel if you brought it that day and you're like, "Oh no." Like, or like somebody's like, oh, that's some axe body spray right there. I want to let a junior hire in here. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh my goodness. I just thought it was so bizarre and like really funny after this like emotional breakdown. Like, you know how we're going to smooth things over? We're going to smell armpits. Um, <laughs> good Lord. Anyway, Tyler gets the rose and they connect over poetry, which is Bill's favorite. Um, and then the cocktail party, um, is all about Logan and Hayden, right? So Logan, what do I do? You know, he's like clearly struggling with this. And then we have Hayden has this moment with Rachel where he tells her about his dog Rambo, right? Rambo. Yes. And it really kind of feels like he's trying to guilt Rachel into keeping him because he sacrificed so much to be there. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, it did not play well in the watching pod. Okay. He's a real character. Oh, he's a tool bag, yeah. He is a tool bag. And I, like, had this, like, dissonance, though. I was like someone who loves their pets so much but also is such a tool bag um he's a real loser and um she does she ends up sending him home um and then we kind of have this drama over will logan accept the rose um he ends up accepting it he's in like such a bad position though don't you feel yes because like he does not want to like like, uh, I mean, for him to reject yeah. Rachel in that moment after everything that's going on, and then she's like had such a roller coaster and she's kind of struggling. And I think he's like kind enough to see that. 
But like she's also like the longer that he stays on, so that basically yeah. he gets talk to Gabby, and then like yeah, the, the move he... right yeah, the move right there is to pull Rachel aside and say, "Here's the deal," and if he really was like, "I want to spend time with Gabby," and I'm not that interested in Rachel, he would have done it then. But really, what he doesn't want to happen is uh-huh. him to, yeah, he doesn't want to go home, right? <laughs> And that's what he was doing is he's like trying to find the right time that he can kind of work all this magic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a mess and Mm -hmm. he's definitely going to be the next villain. And there's just like a part of me that goes, bro, you ain't making it with Gabby. Yeah. Yep. Like it's not, it's not going to happen. Yes, I agree. It's not going to happen. So like, just bow out. Yeah. bow out get your instagram like energy drink deal and like be on your way yeah get your influencer clout while you can because now you're just losing it yeah this set hayden's uh southern political career back at least two years that guy's a southern politician if i've ever seen one like mommy daddy money i think that dog is not even his dog (laughs) i think it's his parents dog and it's like he kind of has a stake in it, and yeah. He took uh, the poor dog's cancer duck. He's like, oh, we'll talk about this. All right. Well, yes, I had it. Yes. Let's just do concept three. Let's just, let's. I'm let's a, talk about concept three, puppy love and Hayden. Um, I'm I not need, bothered. Let's do it. Yes. Let's talk about it. I was like, how can a person be such a jerk face, but also love his dog so much? But you well, don't believe. You think it's a farce. I mean, yeah, I kind of have these moments, too, where I was like, okay, why do you take your dog's stuff? Right. His cancer duck. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah. I Everyone that we were watching it with was like, like, why aren't you home with the dog? Then? And it, it's like, I, I can't imagine if one of my pets were that close to passing away that I would go on a show. I think that what bothered me is... Mm-hmm. I would be okay. I like, you know, if, you know, a person has a child at home or mm-hmm. a job that they left at, like, mm-hmm. they maybe, like, lost their job over mm-hmm. or something like that. And they, like, want to share that experience right. with the person because they want to sort of say, hey, like, this dog is important to me mm-hmm. or, you know, like, this is this important thing. But when mm-hmm. they kind of use it as a sting to hold it over their heads, like, mm-hmm. hey, I made a really big sacrifice to be here. And so, like, I do feel like it's this, like, emotional meditation right. that, like, but, like, the thing is, is I think it backfires sometimes. And people are like, oh, I'm going to let this person go home because if mm-hmm. I know that it's not them, I need to, like, release them to the thing that's important right. to them. Um, so I, it's like interesting to me because I don't think that he's the first person that I felt like the disclosure has been less about a connection and sharing mm-hmm. and it's more about sort of like a manipulation. Yep. I agree. Like it, t- it tends to backfire, I think. Yeah. Oh I agree. I, I just thought it was really, yeah. yeah. It wasn't for me, bro. I wasn't feeling it, bro. So I, there's kind of two other things that I wanted to talk about. One, I meant to do some research on it. I didn't have time, but we can 
we're smart people. We can just talk about it on the fly. I so I was it. really thinking about this, like fighting for love and all of these like violent metaphors that we mm-hmm. have around romance. Um, You know, like I was like thinking about songs too mm-hmm. and how many songs that are like love songs are like about battles and right. You know? Um, And so isn't survivor about that? Probably tiger. Yeah. Survivor. <laughs> well, and I know that there's a lot. I it's been a while since I read it, but I have read a lot about um like metaphors in like survivor of sexual assault. Mm. Um, like different metaphors that they use in their narratives about their experience. Right. Um And what's really interesting is like some of those same like metaphors you, I think like there's a, it's a really old article now that was like comparing those metaphors to actually like themes that you see in fairy tales actually, Hmm. right? That like fairy tales like have like some similar like arcs Mm. to like narrative arcs to the like arcs that people will kind of share about their experiences or if you um, all are just listening just so you know danielle had made several arc motions yeah very nice for those of you that study storytelling i was drawing the lovely like um rising action yes rising action climax (laughs) like that little diagram that you always see with that lesson i was painting it with my hands it was very good um thank you thank you i'm just practicing for teaching this semester (laughs) so here's what i think about the fighting for love thing is that i think it gets mixed up with the idea of working for love which i think or working for a relationship which I think is really important for people to understand. And we've talked about like destiny and growth, destiny beliefs and growth beliefs and how destiny beliefs are this. You find the person you're in love with them. Nothing ever gets in the way, which is really not true. And relationships that are built around those tend to last much less longer and they have much more problems. You have growth beliefs where it's this idea that you are going to uh, work. You're going to run into obstacles, but both of you are committed. And so you continue to work through all those issues. When people are like, you fight for love, I think that's what they're trying to say. However, I think the idea of working together for love and fighting for love is two different things because fighting suggests diametrically opposed things and you fight and someone wins and successful relationships, you know, it's like a you work together to build something that's better than what the two pieces were before. And it's gone going, right? Like where I think the sort of like fight narrative um, suggests that like you have a battle and there's a winner Mm -hmm. and there's a loser and then you're done, right? Like we fought and we won and we live Mm -hmm. happily ever after, right? Kind of a- Yeah, kind of what like what you were saying with the fairy tales, you know, and it's like a lot of times fairy tales, it's like, and they lived happily ever after. And it's like, it really should be, and they had two days where they weren't stressed about finances and then it came back or they had two days before the water heater exploded and then they had to figure out what they're going to do with cold water for a week. Oh my gosh. That ain't that the truth. Our sink is clogged for the second time in a month. Oh man. And so we're going to see a plumber again um, tomorrow. So here, here's my issue with that date. Yes. 
they said they were training Savat and Savat is a kickboxing thing and they only let them punch each other. Don't tell me you're going to let dudes kick each other and then only have them like half-ass punch. I want kicks to the junk. I want a drop kick. I want a thrust kick. I want a spinning heel kick to the head. What's the point? What's the point of calling it if you're not? Letting call, because it sounds French. Savat is French. Yeah, well, it's a it's a you French know, kickboxing. Yeah, it's like their version of it. I had read though that Jesse Palmer apparently speaks pretty good French, or at least he did on the episode. That people that are like trained in it was pretty French, decent. Like they felt like it was pretty decent. Well, he's Canadian, and I wonder if he lived. I don't know where in Canada, but you know there are parts where they speak French as their primary language so that's exciting so what did you think about um the inner child there all these things but yeah so we have like the inner child work um what did you think about that moment especially like as so there's a lot of yeah so there's a lot of different types of therapy and and they work to varying levels and they work for different people and i've heard about it and for some people it really works usually it works i think for people who have had trauma and they they kind of go back and experience this trauma and then give themselves things give their child their their traumatized child um i say that in quotes because you know it's in your head but it's still very real for the people they they give that child what they need to move past those traumas. And yeah. so in that way, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's good. And I just think it's good for anyone to see somebody in a high status talking about how they go to therapy. Yeah. On the other hand, I agree with you with this like weird hot for therapy thing. And I think who is the, uh, the Claire, I feel like Claire also had a real hard on for therapy where it was like, like you're going to participate in therapy and I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> like, well, I think that what it does is like therapy is, is super helpful. And I was like, I actually was super grateful that Gabby sort of like recognized that there mm-hmm. is sort of this bias or stereotype or something like where like that men, especially mm-hmm. like have a weird bias against therapy Mm -hmm. um because it's like emotional or feelings right right? and so I think like I like that she pointed out that he was breaking that stereotype and embracing it um but I also think that one it's hard work Mm -hmm. and two like it's not this like oh I went to therapy so like let me skip through life now and so like I do think that like that sort of like fetishizing that that word of like therapy is like it's only a solution if you yes. keep working at it and the work isn't always easy so like um i guess i was just like thinking about that but i agree with like, you I, I think people don't understand that that like therapy is 45 minutes or whatever of like sitting with a therapist and then a whole week or two weeks or a month of doing the things you've talked about and then like going back and having to reconcile if you actually did a good job and what you have to change and how you're going to change it. And it's, it is not something that you like go in and lay on a couch. You know, people think of like Freudian therapy where you talk about your dreams and your mom and then you leave and you have these like great big, awesome, like about yourself and, 
nothing's a problem and it's it's not like that man there's like rough i days. left my trauma at therapy yeah it's now yeah no it's like it's rough you get anxiety about going but i mean people who do it and do it thoroughly and work through and work on the things that they suggest it's you know really good evidence that it's successful but i think that's the problem sometimes with things like this is like you said it fetishizes it right like well, if you want to be a counselor, you could go through UNI's yes. counseling program. Yes, there is a wonderful counseling program in the Midwest, KCREP accredited. Um, yeah. Woohoo! Woo. Shout out there. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is kind of related to the fighting for love date where, you know, Gabby's like, they're not paying attention to me. Like when I've seen some like really funny memes where like, she's like, they're not even making eye contact with me. And like, if you know, like stage lighting and stuff, I like, I bet they couldn't see her. I bet they just were getting a flash of light in their eyes, but she was like very, very hurt about this. And yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. They were on the opposite side of that cage. I like, I don't know how they could make eye contact. Well, so I kind of have this question, like, you know, do you think that Gabby and Rachel are particularly like, fragile or like sensitive or is there something going on especially with the two that with there being two bachelorettes this season because I think that what was I thought that some of what was happening is that Gabby's men were doing a great job like when they got the microphone and Mm -hmm. they got to say things about her um and I think that what it was doing is hearing them declare their feelings for Gabby and doing it really well also like jumbled up some insecurities in Nicole where like if they were just going on this experience completely on their own right like I don't know you couldn't compare like oh well then so maybe she's going I haven't heard those sorts same sorts of things from the men right and then like you start questioning yourself and so like there's ways that I feel like both Gabby and Rachel are like coming across as like more fragile than mm-hmm. maybe some of the other leads. But like, I wonder how much of it is just, they're also experiencing sort of different pressures and there's just more things to trigger insecurities. Like a comparison <laughs> that, effect. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's not you like, that's common even with like uh, real relationships, right? Yeah. Like people who are in real ones where you go on a double date and like, they're really lovey and you're like, Oh, why aren't we like that? You know, or like, Oh, I'm glad we don't bicker in that way. Um, and so it's like, I don't, I don't think that's uncommon. I think the differences are one that it's broadcast right on TV Two, uh, Elaine and I, we had to go up to Rochester and we drove back and we listened to the bachelorette, happy hour podcast with Michelle and Rebecca and they had Gabby and Rachel on there and they were talking about it and they were just saying like you know it's like you're tired you've been up for forever um she's like you know you have a great date and then you have a bad date and so it's like I think you forget about all that because they look so well dressed up and they're like smiling and it's like they could be on a 16 hour you know wake up they've been in makeup and stuff like that and so i think that probably plays a big role into it but you don't think about that and then i think you know they they were saying on there that you don't like they were constantly having to think well does this person actually want to be with 
Gabby? Or does this person want to be with Rachel? Where in the past, it's like, you're the only game in town. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's something about having to oh, yeah. shift the power mm-hmm. a little differently because mm-hmm. it's like normally the contestants either have to like choose the lead or go home. Right. You know? yeah. And I do think that there's ways that they've gotten to have like more choice mm-hmm. the contestants have. Um, and there's like more possibility for them. And I do think it creates like a different power balance. And if you're both Rachel and Gabby, I think you go in sort of expecting that there is this sense that when you're the lead, like you aren't the one that gets rejected, you do yeah. the rejecting and like all this stuff. And that's not, been the case this season well and it should be like rachel or gabby or anyone who's been the primary or the lead before has hedged their bets to what they say to people right because they didn't want to make their decision early but now that there's two bachelorettes it's like the guys it's like well why are you know you need to declare your love for me and it's like well there was no repercussions in the past when you came on strong and said you're the person right now it's like well, maybe I like one more than the other and I just haven't decided yet. And so it will be interesting because I do think that in some ways the relationships feel like they're developing a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is there's just a lot of guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think what you were just talking about does create something where like you can't kind of just jump in quite the same Mm -hmm. way without there being maybe a repercussion. So you're like trying to fill out, feel out multiple Mm -hmm. relationships. And then, you know, cause like I had this moment where she, um, Rachel was with Tino and you could tell that they're both like, Ooh, this feels Mm -hmm. like so Mm -hmm. early, Mm -hmm. but like, I think on past episodes, like that's just like the rules of the game. Yeah. And like four episodes in, it's not that weird for you to be on a one-on-one and maybe for there to be some like declarations or strong feelings. And it sort of seemed like they were like, ooh, because like, what did he say? He was like, is it too early for us to be talking about kids or something? And I was like, okay, so I know Kim's a huge fan of Tino. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's like a normal human. You said he was boring. But I think he's boring. And like, I do, I I don't, I guess like, I don't find him quite as attractive as I think everybody else does. But like, I just like, think he's kind of boring. I actually think he's a great fit for Rachel. And she's like, clearly into him. Sometimes I'm like, just like, you're with Gabby. She's just more simple. She's, I I think Gabby, you know, like all this rough around the edges talk. I think Gabby's hilarious. Oh yeah. I think she's like working through things, but like, I would love to be friends with Gabby, you know, in a way, like, it's not like, there's nothing wrong with Ra- or with Rachel in terms of like, I think she's a really nice human. Um, and you can see some of her personality coming out, but um, I don't know. But Tino is kind of the same way. Like, I just don't find him that interesting. I think he's charming and he's nice and he hasn't messed up at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, I also don't think there's anything interesting. About yeah, he hasn't said much that makes me be like, oh, hey, this is really. Yeah. But then, like, it's funny because I feel like she's like so ready to dive in with mm-hmm. him. And then, like, I mean, he seems like he's mostly on board. But then he says things like, oh, is it too early to be talking about kids? And I'm like, ooh. I think she's like would accept a proposal right yeah. now. 
Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think if they were in real life and it wasn't The Bachelorette, she would be like leaving wedding proposal, like the the catalogs, like around their apartment. And he would be like, you know, ignoring them, like putting them away. I did think it was funny when she said, these guys make me feel less chosen than Clayton. And all of America was like, really? Really, Rachel? Do you not remember but the does he make, But does he make you feel the most <laughs> less chosen? <laughs> like, yeah, I felt like that was probably one of the most ridiculous things anyone's ever said on that show. Like, if they could have just flashed back to her on the stairs, like... Well, there's her cries echoing. And then, the, and then the second day where he, like, was like, no, no, I do want you guys. And then he was like, actually... I kind of rethought this and uh what it sort of made me realize though is like there's like oh my gosh like how, how like how much do we not see yeah right because if she like either she's just emotional and hasn't slept in like yeah. 16 hours or like you know something mm -hmm. here or like Clayton was way better to them when we didn't see it you know I think um, Clayton had a way of being nothing that seemed like he was really choosing you. Like, I think he was neither like mean, like he just was smiley. He never said much. And so it was this like passive, like he loves me the most where it was like, well, he's just not being a dick. Well, I think that there's this line that I feel is really common that I find kind of interesting where contestants will say to the leads, especially in the earlier mm -hmm. episodes, and we heard it on this season, but you've heard it on other seasons too, where it's sort of like, well, they just make me feel so comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I feel so comfortable or I feel like it's just the two of us, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a thing. And I, I'm sure that there are probably personalities and people that just have that ability to do that more like for example yeah, yeah. peter did not do that well no uh, -uh. Mm -hmm. he did not nope um but like it does seem like a lot of the leads have whatever that is because you know you meet people in everyday life where there are just some people that like make you feel really like paid attention to and value mm -hmm. you know and so um it wouldn't surprise me if people that find themselves in that position are oftentimes people that also good at those types of things. I don't think Gabby has that, which is one of the reasons I like her, but she was making fun of herself on the pod, the podcast I listened to because they were talking about how she's like, yeah, wow. Like how she just says, yeah, after everything. And she's like, that's so crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, She's yeah. a hoot. She yeah. she's a hoot. Um, well, she gets full hoot rating from Danielle. This she is gets, she gets two hoots. Two hoots two from Danielle. So, Bill, do you do you have a wild card for well, us? Well, I did. We just thought about it like four minutes before we started the show. That's okay. Um, so we did see Gabby's mom has responded, or someone they think is Gabby's mom. So I went back and read this, and um somebody's who said they were Gabby's mom posted on social media and commented on a post that Gabby made about it and basically said she will not be on the show. She is not going to hurt Gabby. She doesn't like seeing Gabby hurt. 
Um, but she said she's very happy she's on this journey. She even referenced the uh, Matt James episode where they brought his father on. Ooh, yeah. And there was a lot of debate on like, did this help? Did this hurt? Did we really need to be privy to this? Um, and so I, I don't have a lot to talk about other than, you know, I've talked about one in the past um, that people really need to think about when they get married. You don't just marry the person, you marry their family. And definitely the family that's involved and potentially the family that's not involved at that point. Um, and then what role they are going to play if Gabby decides to try to mend fences with their mom. Um, and so one of the guys, and I can't remember who it was, talked about how they didn't have a great relationship with their family, right? Yeah, well, I think Jason kind of... Yeah. Because I think they bonded over that. And mm-hmm. it seems like, because who is the date with? Was it with um Eric? Yeah. Um, who, Eric. That, yes. That Gabby felt some insecurities that like he. Yeah, he couldn't. He, he, he didn't. Yeah, oh, she yeah. walked off and he was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then she got yeah. drunk and made out with him. <laughs> you know, it was interesting though, because like, I didn't feel like he wasn't responding empathetically or anything like that, but she must have like, or if it there's just like talking about it made her feel insecure. So like, I think she feels more comfortable being with somebody that has similar experiences to her, which could be really helpful, but I could also see going into a relationship where both of you are working through trauma from your childhood. Yeah. That could also be a, barrier right you know yeah well and I don't think he was being unempathetic I think he just had no roadmap for how to deal with that and his way of being put in a situation. I think we all have different ways that when we get put in a situation we don't know what to do um you know he you responded deal- like Gabby he said yeah, yeah, yeah wow yeah, he just kind of like, yeah <laughs> wow and I think at one point he's like I don't really know how to respond to this Cause I don't have any point for it, which I'm sure made her feel very insecure because, right. you know, um, so yeah, I just, I think the Gabby's mom thing is going to take, you know, it's going to keep coming up. And I think from a family system standpoint, the bigger issue is that when you have that stuff in your family, you learn how to be a family by what your family taught you. And so then when you start your kind of branch of the family tree, those things, you, you you start out with that kind of map and people can change and they can learn new ways of doing things, but they always start with that baseline, um, which going back to the counseling thing is probably a good yeah for them going into counseling because that's one of the good things that counselors do is they say, why are you doing this? What is it serving? Is there a different way that you could do it? And you know they rarely tell you what to do, but they point out the things you don't see because they're ingrained in you um so yeah yeah Yeah. I think about it like so like piano I've been taking piano for a while and there's things I do now that I don't even pay attention to and my piano teacher be like why is your finger like that it's like it's always been that way she's like that's really bad you need to change that and it's kind of like counseling kind of like that right like when when your spouse says something to you and you snap back at him it's like well why are you snapping back at him like well that's how that's how parents talk to each other right yep, right well, exactly yeah or right. when someone makes you feel wrong you try to prove that you're right and it's like well do you have to 
maybe they're just kidding around. Maybe they're not trying to make you feel bad. And so, yeah, that's all. Yeah. I got. So University of Northern Eye Counseling Program. You can learn more. Absolutely. Start your application online today. <laughs> I like it. Um, so lessons learned. What sort of things did we learn today? You can love your dog and still be an asswipe. That is, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But your dog's still probably great. Well, because I think people use that as a litmus test sometimes, you know, like, oh, how does this person respond to my pet or white pets, you know, like, and what this shows you is this might help you weed someone out. Oh, they're terrible. They're jerks with my pet. For Mm -hmm. sure. They're gone. Right. But what it also tells you is they could still be good to your pet and be a jerk to you. Yes. Yep. So I, agree. I don't know. Oh, I you really that. riffed off my lesson. Good job. That was good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Nice. I don't, I think, I don't know. I think that we learned that therapy is good, but don't fetishize it. I can't say that word, but I keep that saying that word. Right. Yeah. 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 Therapy is a lot of work. It's good, but it's a lot of work. It is. Well, so I think we should conclude this uh, episode with one more shout out to you and I's counseling program. Don't no, you? we've got our city. Oh, do you have a city? Of course I do. I always make sure Still I has a city. city. Victor, Colorado. So oh, I know that uh, um, uh, Gabby was a Denver cheerleader, a Denver Broncos cheerleader for a while or dance team member. So I picked a place in Colorado that is listened to us, Victor, Colorado. Um, it is in Teller County in the south of Colorado. Uh, it was an old mining town in 1899. It was burned down by a fire. Um, the average high in what month are we in? August is right at about 70 degrees. So oh, it's up in the mountains. Uh, it's got about... 397 people in it go victor yeah so um trying to see if there's anything else in the city the population was spread out between 17 percent under 19 4.8 between 20 to 24 20.6 between 25 to 44 47.8 45 to 64 so they are an aging population and about 11 percent 65 and older household income thirty one thousand dollars I bet you can find affordable housing in Victor. Yeah. (laughs) Several mines there. That's it. Thanks, Victor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, Victor. Awesome. Well, have a good week and we'll be back next time. Yes. And next week it is going to be Kim and Danielle, because I know all of our listeners actually have memorized the rotation, but I will be in the mountains somewhere. And so uh, Danielle is covering for me. So you get double, double Danielle. Double Danielle. It will be fun. All right. (laughs) Bye. You have been listening to Batchademia with your hosts, Danielle Dick McGue, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henning. All thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the person who spoke them. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show, leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your family, friends, colleagues, and other Ardent Bachelor fans. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at bachadamia at gmail.com. Or on the Twitter with the handle at Bachadamia. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.